My name is Chris. I get to serve as the lead pastor here, and I am pumped to start a new series with you today. Would you stand to your feet? If you have a copy of God's Word, in a few moments we will land in Exodus chapter 3. Genesis, Exodus, so the second book of the Bible. We will land there in Exodus chapter 3 here in a few moments. I'm glad to start this series called Out of Egypt, and I think there's several things as we walk through this narrative from Scripture together that God will show us, and more than anything, I pray that this series is a faith boost for you, uh, that you will believe God for whatever's going on in life, for whatever situation you might find yourself in, for whatever struggle may be, that throughout this series you will just have glimpses of God's faithfulness that will encourage you to believe God for everything you need. Can we pray accordingly this morning? Father, thanks so much for your word. We're so thankful that we can hear you speaking to us every day of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the ways you continue to lead us. As we embark on this journey through this scriptural narrative, I pray, O oh Lord, that I would work in partnership with the Holy Spirit, that everything that happens in these moments would be according to your perfect will and desire. Lord, that Holy Spirit, you would drive home in our hearts even more than what I can say in these moments. And I pray, O oh Lord, that our faith be increased, that we would believe you for greater and greater things, that we would see you in such a powerful way, Lord, to believe that you are able to do even greater than we can ever imagine. So, Lord, I pray increase your, your people's faith. I pray we would rise in belief in you. Uh, thank you for speaking to us. May we listen closely and take it to heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Tell your neighbor this morning, I'm really glad you're sitting beside me today. Some of what I'm going to share today comes from the narrative of Scripture, and I would encourage you to go back and read through several places in Scripture that are going to help you walk through this journey. If I was to pick up at the end of Genesis into the beginning of Exodus on this timeline, we would land at a man named Joseph. Joseph was a, an Israelite man. He was a Hebrew man who experienced quite a journey in his life. We don't have time to talk about his whole life. That would be a, an entirely different series. But Joseph went through many, many things, and he landed in Egypt eventually in leadership. Now, however... Through the years, he, through natural attrition, passed away, and all the generations who knew him also died. But their descendants didn't. The Israelites remained in Egypt, and they continued to multiply greatly. Over time, just as it happens in, in normal nation leadership, national leadership, a new king, a new pharaoh came into power who didn't know Joseph, and who didn't recognize all that God had used him to do for Egypt even. And the new leader only saw how rapidly the Israelite population was growing. Exodus chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. Look, he said, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. 
They forced them to build the cities of Pipham and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. Now as bad as it sounds in that passage of Scripture, it only became worse. Not only did the Egyptians force hard labor on the people of Israel because Pharaoh felt threatened by them and their rapid population growth, but Pharaoh would eventually decree that all Israelite boys born were to be killed at birth. Now, thankfully, there were ladies who delivered babies in that time that feared God, and they refused to take the lives of these baby boys. So instead, Pharaoh decreed that every boy must be thrown into the Nile River. If you're tracking with me, we're progressing now in the story of Exodus. And about this time, there was an Israelite woman who became pregnant with a son. Now, after birth, she recognized there was something special about him. Let's pause for a moment just to reference. This was more than just that typical motherly bias. Because, I mean, every mom thinks their kid is fantastic. And we all know that one mom who needs to hear from the Lord that may be their child anyway. We, we, we know there's something about motherly bias. This wasn't motherly bias. She recognized that God was at work. When she didn't feel like she could hide her child any longer, instead of throwing him in the river to die, she floated him down the river in a basket. Interestingly enough, Pharaoh, who had commanded these Israelite boys to die, his daughter was the one who found the boy and eventually adopted him. She named the boy, anybody know? Moses, and Moses' name means, I drew him up out of the water. Now Moses, think about this, was a Hebrew Israelite child. He was of the people of Israel, of this lineage, But he lived and he grew in the luxurious palace of Pharaoh. In fact, if you study historical accounts, you'll find that Moses was being groomed in many ways in the ways of the palace. Exodus chapter 2 verse 11. Moses grew up many years later when he'd grown. He went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. Now mind you, Moses has had it easy. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. After looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. So Moses is now a murderer. I want you to keep that kind of pinned in the back of your mind because we'll get to that again later in this series. The next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. So now it's not an Egyptian and a Hebrew going at each other. It's among the Hebrews themselves. Why are you beating up your friend, Moses said to the one who had started the fight. And the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. So he escapes. He, he leaves Egypt because he knows that his reputation goes before him. He eventually got married. He settles down. And in Midian, he took care of his father-in-law's flock. I love his father-in-law's name. 
Jethro. Doesn't that make sense for me? I mean, come on. Jethro. Meanwhile, things in Egypt weren't getting any better. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. Years passed and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. Notice this. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. We come in our narrative to Exodus chapter 3. I use the term narrative instead of the term story, even though we understand this to be a story of the Bible. But we want to understand these are legitimate accounts from history that actually happen. Real people, real places, real moments in time. Moses in Exodus chapter 3 thought he was done with Egypt. Far from it. In fact, it was really just only the beginning You may remember a moment ago that Moses' name means to be drawn out. In the case of Pharaoh's daughter, to be drawn out of the water. But God was about to draw Moses out from Midian to return to Egypt. Exodus 3 is the Bible narrative that we often refer to as the burning bush experience. God talked to Moses about what was going on with the Israelite people in Egypt. And he talked to Moses about what role he would play in their freedom. Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. No doubt, Moses understood the history of Abraham and God and all of the different things that have gone on throughout history. And Moses feared in a healthy way a reverence, had a reverence for God. But I want you to pay special attention to what God told Moses in these moments. Exodus chapter 3 verse 7. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now we obviously get this angle from God. I often wonder what it was like for the Israelite people. I often wonder what went through their minds as they lived in the bondage and slavery of Egypt. The Bible tells us it wasn't a short journey for them. 
In fact, when they would come out of Egypt, the Bible tells us that they had spent 430 years in bondage. No doubt, obviously, multiple generations. I wonder if they ever thought, is God paying attention to us? Does God see what's happening to us? Does He hear our prayers? Does He care about what we're facing? Does He remember what He promised us? How long will He allow this to happen. I would suggest today that these thoughts are safe to assume in some way because we've probably all faced some of these moments as well. We've all faced hard times. I'm not talking about the consequences of our own poor choices. I'm referring more to attacks and situations and circumstances that happen more to us, sometimes even by surprise. These moments and these seasons in life can be very overwhelming. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a moment where it wasn't just one situation, it was multiple things happening at one time, and it began to feel overwhelming because there was so much going on, you don't know what to do next. These moments can be difficult to deal with. They can even be lengthy or chronic. In the middle of these times, it's important for us to remember the promises of God, who God is, His heart for us, what He can do in our lives. But as human beings, when nothing seems to be happening or changing, at times we can begin to question, when, where, how will this ever change? I've got to be honest with you today, I don't always know why things last as long as they do or go the way that they go. I've sat beside bedsides and chairsides and people's homes and in hospital rooms and wondered why they continued to suffer, why it was a long-term illness, why they'd not yet received healing even though many had agreed with them for it. What I can tell you is that while we don't understand everything there is to understand, we know scripturally that in moments of struggle, there is an inner work of the Holy Spirit in our heart and in our lives. Going through things helps us to learn and to grow. And I would go far enough to say that if we don't go through a few things, how would we ever learn to trust God? In fact, the, the old songwriter said, uh, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to depend on His Word. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in His Word could do. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. So there's a, an inner work going on. I, I know that Scripture teaches us that there's a building of character and perseverance that we're learning to endure with faith in Jesus to bring us through at the right time. And sometimes maybe even greater and longer the situation we go through, the more glory that God will receive. Because when it's all said and done, human beings have a tendency to give up and to think it's never going to happen. But that's when the impossible can be done by God. I don't know how to say it any other way, but in order for there to be a situation that qualifies for a miracle, there has to be a crisis. 
People want to see miracles and people want to see all of these great things happen. But in order for that to be the case, there has to be need for that to take place. We can trust that God is working good in our lives. Even when we don't feel that way, even when we don't understand it all, even when we can't piece all of those details together exactly how he's fitting it, we can trust the truth of his word that he's working for good in our lives. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For some people it's a struggle. Well, if I can't understand everything, if I can't put every piece together, and especially for people who maybe process in a greater analytical way, for some people it can be harder because it requires faith and trust in God. But I would say to you today, if we can understand everything about God and piece together everything and understand every detail of how God does everything, we would be God. And He wouldn't. There's an element of trust. There's an element of faith and belief in the Lord. We are to be reminded today that when we don't think we can see the hands of God at work, we can trust His heart for us and trust His goodness as a characteristic of who He is. When you can't see His hands, trust His heart. Here's what we do know. Even though there are a lot of questions when we go through things. Even though there are a lot of moments when we don't understand it all. Even when there are moments we don't feel like anything's changing and anything's happening. We've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed. Here's what we need to be reminded of today and things that we can take to the bank that are for sure. First of all, this passage teaches us God sees. God sees. God is neither oblivious nor blind to your situations. He hasn't put blinders on and he's not so busy with other things that he isn't paying attention to you. Psalm 139 verse 1. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Lord, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If the Bible teaches that God sees every bird that falls to the ground and every need of every part of his creation, how much more does God value us who are created in his image and see what's going on in our lives? Psalm 121 verse 3, He will not let you stumble. Listen, the one who watches over you will not slumber. Even when I close my eyes to sleep and rest, the Lord is still actively working in our lives. God sees. Secondly, we learn God hears. He's listening. You may not feel like you were able to pray very well. Got to tell you, there have been moments in my life where I felt like I struggled to put one word in front of the other to know how to pray. Moments where I felt like I'd prayed so many times that I'd ran out of how to pray for a certain situations. Moments where it got to the point that tears and groans were about the only thing that would come out because of how desperate the situation was. 
There are moments that our prayers are articulated through a barrage of noises and emotions and tears. But I'm encouraged today by the truth of the word that when we pray, our prayers do not hit some sort of ceiling only to come back down. We are told that we can boldly approach the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. With confidence, we can come before the throne of God. And we may not feel when we get through praying like anything has changed at all. But we can trust that God who is faithful and God who is perfect and God who is good has heard our prayers. Psalm 34, 17 says, The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. God sees and God hears. And thirdly, God responds. Now, i got to tell you today, God's response may not always be in the way you expect. And God's response may not always be in the timing you would assume to be best. I mean, let's be honest for a moment. Don't we always have it figured out? And, and I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of this in my life at some point. When we go to pray, and prayer is supposed to be about, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. We see that model from Jesus. Prayer is supposed to be about a yielding of ourselves to the Lord. But how many times have we gone to God and said, God, if you would just do fill in the blank. God, I've got it all figured out. If you would just do this and this and this, it'll all come together just like it needs to. Somehow along the journey, we begin to develop this idea that we've got it all figured out and that we need to tell God what to do. God's response may not be in your timing. God's response may not be in the way you expect. God's response may come in a variety of ways. I think about Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prays, Lord, I would love for this cup to pass from me. But not my will, yours be done. And there's an interesting detail in Luke chapter 24 that when Jesus prays this prayer, instead of the cup passing, the Lord sends an angel to strengthen him. In these moments when we're praying and we're wanting God to respond, he may not respond exactly how you think. He may not just pick you up and transport you or teleport you into another situation or moment. It may not be that way. It may not feel like he just immediately changes everything about your situation. But in that moment, we learn even from Jesus that he will strengthen us. He will make a way of escape for us. He will lead us through what we're dealing with. God may teach you. As he's bringing you through a situation. When you study the people of Israel. And we don't have time to do it all today. But when you study the people of Israel. You'll find out very quickly. If there was one thing they needed to learn. It was to depend on God more than anyone else. Their cycle was continuous. They would commit themselves to God. They would begin to put their eyes on other so-called gods or other idols or the ways of culture. They would end up getting themselves in a mess. They would run to God for mercy. And then they would commit themselves again, and the cycle would start all over. 
They needed to learn that God was the one to depend on. God was the one who would bring them through. God was the one who was faithful. God was the one whose provision they needed. And I can tell you that in our moments of struggle, in our moments when we feel like we're going through something tough, the most important thing for us is not just to pray, God, get me out of this, but it's, God, what are you teaching me through this? And maybe, maybe this is just a bad sense of humor, but I want to learn the lesson the first time. I don't want to have to go through some of it again. I don't want to be stubborn or hard-headed or inattentive to what he's saying. I want to learn. God's response may look different than what you think. It may be similar to what you think or it may not. But what we can cling to is that the only thing that's impossible for God is his ability to fail. God can't fail. Whatever he does is good. Whatever he does is pure. Whatever he does is perfect. He doesn't have the ability to fail. We read a moment ago the beginning of Psalm 34, 17. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. Notice this. He rescues them from all their troubles. He brings us through. It may feel like it lasts a bit. It may feel like some of our struggles are hard. It, it may feel like that in the moment if somebody said, well, how are you doing? And, and you really don't have an answer. You, you're not necessarily doing good, but you're not necessarily doing bad. And you may not be able to tell people in that moment exactly how things are going to come together. You may feel like the future is a blank canvas at this moment and you don't know how God's going to do it all. You will learn and grow through it. You may not have all the answers. You may feel like you have more question marks than you do answers when it comes to the present and future of life. But you can trust in God. The, the point that I want you to get today, more than anything else as we go into this series, is not that you've got to figure it all out yourself. It's not that you're going to know every answer to life. It's going to be that you're following the one who has all the answers, who has all knowledge, who has all power, and wants to work good in your life. And when you feel like you don't know what's up, all you've got to do is look up and trust the one who is faithful and perfect in all of his ways. You may not know how, you may not know when, but he will bring you through what you're dealing with. And in the process, you will learn you can trust a faithful God. Give God some praise. How can we trust him? Well, this is what the psalmist said. Psalm 37, 25. Once I was young, and now I'm old. Okay, bear with me. My day's coming, okay? I'm probably older than some of you think. I can't grow a beard. That's my problem. I can't. It would have gray hair, I can promise. Once I was young and now I am old. Yet I have never. I want you to say the word never. Never. I have never. Say it again. Never. I have never seen the godly abandoned or forsaken or their children begging for bread. I've been through a lot. I've dealt with a lot of things. This is the words of the psalmist. I've been through a lot and I've, been, I've dealt with a lot of things. I've faced enemies. I've faced physical enemies, spiritual enemies, you name it. I've been through all of this, but I can tell you that through the years, if there's one thing I've learned, it's that God will never forsake his children. God will never abandon his children. Now, maybe you think that I'm 
drawing emphasis to this word, but I, I cling to this and I encourage you to as well. Psalm 23 is a, a very well-known psalm. Oftentimes it's read most at a graveside service for a death. But I would challenge you that this chapter is for our lives. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, one translation says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Later in that same psalm, the psalmist says, Yea, I had to go King James on you this morning. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now you may think I'm picking up little nuances and little words. But something about this verse resonates with me that I'm going to go through what I'm dealing with. I'm not stuck in the valley of the shadow of death permanently. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. With, with the hook of the shepherd's staff, you pull me close. With the rod, you beat off my enemies. I can stand firm even in the midst of it because you're going to bring me through it because you're faithful. He would go on to say, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The premise being, I'm going to face some tough moments. We looked at this, I think, even last week when Jesus said in John 16, In this world, you're going to have some trouble. I mean, that's a promise from Jesus. In this world, you're going to deal with some things. In this world, you're going to find yourself in a pinch, in a squeeze. You're going to have some moments of pressure and stress. You're going to go through some things because you are now a child of God, but you're still living in a sinful, fallen world. And the results of that sinful, fallen world affect a lot of people, righteous and unrighteous. But in the middle of it all, take heart, he said in John 16, 33, for I've overcome the world. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I want to leave you with this encouragement today. Things won't always be like they are right now. Mm. There's somebody today, and I don't know who this is for, but there's somebody today that just needs to hear You've been on this journey and maybe it feels like it's been a long journey. And maybe you feel like nothing's changing. And maybe you have felt like your prayers are just hitting the ceiling and coming back down. Maybe you feel like somehow God's lost attention on you. And I'm here to tell you today, God is still seeing what's going on. God is still listening to your prayers. God will respond in the perfect way, in the perfect time. What is going on right now won't always be the same. You come through. You come through because He's faithful. The battles that you face, the struggles that you face, the moment that you're in right now that feels hard and tough and pressure-packed, the, the doubts and fears that you could wrestle with, the question marks that you could wrestle all of those things, I want you to hold on today that the battles aren't permanent fixtures to your life and your destiny. God will bring you through. He's faithful. I'm going to ask if you're in the room today, would you stand with me? And if you're online, I want to challenge you to take a moment to respond. And I've got a couple of specific prayers I want to invite you to pray with me today.
specific prayers I want to invite you to pray. And especially if you feel like you're in the midst of one of these tough moments. And we're going to draw some other parallels when we talk about Egypt and when we talk about coming out of Egypt because there was a lot of forthtelling that was going on in this narrative as well. A lot of pointing to the greatest deliverer named Jesus. We're going to look at some, some other moments when Moses would wrestle through with God about his inadequacy to serve the Lord and how he called him to serve. We're going to talk through several different things. But this morning, I felt so strongly that, that we need to start in this spot. God sees, God hears, God responds. And that if you're here today and you're struggling in the midst of a moment, I want to lead you in this time of prayer. I want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, however you can do that to avoid being distracted by anybody around you. I want you to be honest with the Lord today. And I challenge you to be honest with the Lord because here's the truth. He already knows what's going on in your heart and mind anyway. So you might as well be honest about it. He already sees it. He already knows it. If you're here today or you're online and you are in a spot in life where you're struggling, in a spot that's hard, in a spot that's troubling to you, you're dealing with some things going on, I want you to just begin, wherever you are, to open your mouth and say, Lord, I'm coming to you because I'm dealing with some things that I can't change, that I can't make happen. I'm coming to you, Lord, because I know you're my source and my supply. And I want you to begin, if that's you today, I want you to begin to express your trust in Him. Express your trust in Him, in your own way. Lord, I, I may not see it. I may not understand it all. I may, I may have some doubts and some things going on, but, but Lord, I trust you. Lord, there may be a lot of question marks when it comes to life and a lot of question marks when it comes to what I'm dealing with as to what's going to happen next. But Lord, I trust you because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. I trust you, Lord. When everything else is changing, when everything else is chaotic, when everything else feels like a struggle right now, Lord, I'm running to you. I trust in you, Lord. I believe you, Lord, are faithful. And I want you to begin today, if that's you, to, to thank him. Thank him for seeing what's going on in your life, for being attentive. Thank him for hearing your prayers even if you don't feel like it maybe today, even if you feel like nothing's getting through, take a moment to say, Lord, I will not stand by feelings, but I will stand by faith. I will believe because it's who you are and because what your word declares. Lord, you hear my prayers. You know what's going on in my heart. You know what's going on in my mind, Lord. You are listening, God, and I will continue to seek you because of that. Thank Him for seeing. Thank Him for hearing. Now this may be the challenging part. Because today, you may not feel like He's responded yet. You may not feel like anything has changed even in this moment. But what if today, you begin to thank Him in advance and praise Him before even things change? 
Why don't, why don't you, even in advance, especially if you're in one of those tough spots today, why don't you just begin to say, Lord, I thank you that whatever, however, according to your perfect will, your goodness in my life, your desire to lead me, Lord, in all these things, I am trusting you. I thank you that you see, you hear, and I praise you in advance that you are going to come through. You are going to lead me. You are going to guide me. You are going to prove yourself faithful yet again. I would challenge you today, this might even be a good moment to lift your hands and say, Lord, I praise you, Lord, for all the things you've already brought me through. And now I'm praising you in advance for all the ways you'll continue to lead my life. That's what God said about even the people of Israel who were in Egypt. I've come to lead them. He's come today to lead you, to guide you, to pour into your life, to, to continue to show you great and mighty things that you can't even begin to imagine. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Lord, you're able, according to your word, to raise up valleys and make high places low. You're able to make crooked paths straight, oh Lord. We praise you today because you are able to scatter the enemy, O Lord. That when he comes in like a flood, you raise up a standard against him. We praise you today because your strength is sufficient. Everything we need to continue to press on, to continue to put one foot in front of the other. You are our supply. You are our provider. We praise you, Lord, today because you will give us all that we need to continue to march on. We praise you today that you're the glory and the lifter of our heads. We praise you today that we can lift up our eyes to the hills from which come our help. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We thank you, Lord, today that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and you're able to provide everything that we need. We thank you, Lord, that you had enough power to speak and the world came into existence. And Lord, today we're believing that you can speak and things can be taking place. Lord, we believe wounded hearts can be healed. Relationships can be mended. Situations can change, Lord. And Lord, we are trusting you with every detail of everything. We believe you care. We believe you are attentive. We believe we can cast all of our anxiety, all of our cares, all of our struggles, all of our deep hurts, all of our grief. We can cast it all on you, Lord, for you are faithful. You will continue to comfort and lead and guide and strengthen and empower, Lord. Let faith arise. May faith arise in us, O Lord, to believe. May we see by faith and not by sight. Oh God, I pray, Lord, today over this people that as we in a moment walk out of this room or even out of this facility or drive off of this campus, Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus that people who walked in weary and struggling, people who came in with question marks about life, people who came in wondering if you care, I pray on the inside of them today by the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be something that would rise on the inside of them and they would walk away from this moment with confidence. I may not see it. I may not understand it. I may not be able to fit it all together. But I know my God will do what needs to be done. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. 
I'm going to encourage you today to not walk away from this moment. I'm going to encourage you today that if you're in that spot, that you make a place, maybe even in this altar area, to kneel and you and the Lord have some moments where He can just pour into your life. Where He can speak to you, where He can lead you, where He can strengthen you and encourage you. There may even be someone in this room that the Lord would use to speak into your life. There's so many things that can happen right here in this moment if we'll just allow the Lord to meet us in our broken places. If we'll allow the Lord to meet us in our struggles. If we'll be vulnerable enough to come before God and say, God, this is a struggle. I'm struggling. I heard one person say uh, not long ago, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. It's okay if you're not feeling okay today, but come to the one who's able to touch your life. Run to the one today who cares, who sees, who hears, and who wants to respond in your life. Let him work. There are people who will pray with you. There are people who will agree with you. There are people who will encourage you. If there are prayer partners in the room, I want to encourage you to just be attentive to what's going on this morning as people pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing to you, over you today. And I challenge you, let, let confidence in your heart arise as you see God for who He is. Even as we sing in our worship time to Him this morning about who He is and that He's always been the same and that He's holy. Even in all of those things, let God be lifted high. Let the situations fade. Even as Pastor Nick said earlier, let God grow. Let, the, the psalmist said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And on a practical level, the idea of magnifying is He becomes greater. When we praise Him, when we focus on Him, he, His view, our view of Him becomes such greater. And then we can see that our our challenges, our struggles are so small compared to God. Let God work. Father, I pray today that you bless and keep this people. And that you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. I pray that your countenance ever be turned their direction, Lord, and grant them your peace. And I pray for those who are struggling, maybe the most that are engaged in this service today. I pray, God, that through the tears and through the groans and through the questions and through the doubts, they will look unto you and find the strength and the power and the confidence that they need, knowing that you see, you hear, you respond, you are faithful. Go with us, Lord, and work in these moments in the heart and lives of people, I pray in Jesus' name.